0: The 29th of August happens to be on a Tuesday this year. One o'clock on the East Coast. I guess that makes it like 10 or something on the Pacific. But hey, Guy Adami, Dan Nathan, Market Call. Today's Market Call, Dan, brought to you by CME Group, where risk meets opportunity. I love that. you meant a dramatic pause? And of course, our data provider always is fact-set financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. Today, we will be joined by the great Carter Braxton Worth. So without further ado, Dan, how are you?
1: I'm doing okay, Guy. Today is one of those days in the stock market where I just kind of want to rip my hair out a little mm. bit. And it's not that I'm so bearish. It's just that the NASDAQ's screaming 2% for no reason. Real
0: well, real. Well, well, yes, I hear you. And I'll give you the reasons Carter will amplify and I don't mean to cut you off, but the reasons are going to be short-lived because the reasons were this softer data that came in, we're gonna yeah. talk about yields. I think people are looking at bad news as good news because they think it takes the Federal Reserve out of the equation. Of course, the problem is the Federal Reserve has been in the equation. So whether they're out at this point, I don't think it even matters, but back to you. No,
1: that's it. And it's all about yields. If you look at yesterday, we were talking about the two years solidly above five percent. Well, it's solidly below five percent right. right now.
0: Entredable.
1: Let let's bring him in, Carter Braxton Worth. We only have him for a short period, guy. He's got stuff to do. He's P- got a McBeal. He's got an Audi McBeal. Really, qu- hey, Carter, how are you? Thanks. I'm for good.
2: Talking. I'm good. You guys are looking summary.
1: And,
2: yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's all good.
1: All right, well, listen, um, so, let, let's, let's rip through this a little bit because you did some extensive charting on yields here. And and this is the story, and I think Guy just said it. Okay, softer economic data causing yields to go a bit lower here, causing stocks, at least high-evaluation ones, to rip. What are you seeing as far as yields? Because you want to look across the curve here.
2: Sure, and before we look at the charts, I mean, just conceptually, the, the, the fickle nature of the street, I mean, just to think in basically early May, Uh, We know that recession is is coming, oil's at $65 a barrel, and the street is saying there's no way out of this. Uh, We're at 3.3%. And then just two weeks ago, higher for longer. And now today's yields are done. Oh, recession coming. Listen, they're just extrapolators. (laughs) There's no skill to it. And a lot of it is dead wrong. Sometimes we just draw our lines. Let's draw the lines. And um, what we know is that rates peaked a year ago. And nothing has changed. We uh, here, we're charting remaining, have been in the rates have peaked camp. And ultimately, we think that equities will reflect that by going lower. But people for now say, well, no, that's not how it works. It has to be if rates go lower, stocks go higher. We know that sometimes that's the case. But if that really the case, then what would it be when rates were at 30 basis points on the 10-year yield at the bottom of COVID, the stock market, S&P, should have been at 10,000 if that relationship were. So let's look at the charts. 2, 5, 10, and 30. They're all the same chart. We know what this is. Did we break out in the two-year? No. Let's do the five-year. Did we break out? No. Did we break out in the 10-year? No. 30-year? No. And people say, no, oh, I can see it. Bro. There's rules to what a breakout is. If a stocks, $100 stock goes to 102 and then drops to 70, and it moved above a former high of 100, 100, 100, is that a breakout? There are rules how much duration, um, time, and price spent above a prior high to qualify as a breakout. Moving above for an inch or an hour, that doesn't count. Um, Rates, I think, peaked a year ago, and uh, nothing changes that.
0: Let me be the first to say um, that I was one of the people, and to a certain extent, I still am, that think rates will go higher. But it's very difficult for me to argue with those compelling charts, all of which you brought. And they all basically are the exact same thing. We reached levels that we saw in the fall of last year. Uh, We have exhausted ourselves. And again, when you see these meaningful moves, these pullbacks off of levels, you can't argue with that. Um, I think that the the fact that the market is taking this as somehow constructive is interesting for today, at least. We'll see how long that lives. But again, to your point, it's a market, as Doug Cass, who's probably watching, says, you know, there's no memory from day to day. You know, I think bad news is bad news. I think at a certain point that will be reflected in the stock market, Dan, but clearly today is not that day.
1: Yeah, and it feels like just a week ago we were looking at the CME FedWatch tool that has, uh, you know, charting the probabilities of a, a Fed rate increase at the September 20th meeting, you know, it was getting near 20%. Now it's getting on the other side of, uh, you know, 15 and it looks like 13 and a half percent or so. So, you know, that that weaker data will cause that to kind of continue to go a bit lower. I doubt it gets too much lower than 10% at any time um, soon. But Carter, you know, what you're uh, listen, I'm I'm buying what you're throwing down on the yields. I've been in of that camp. I tried buying the TLT. That was the inverse. Uh, right of, of the yield move that we had seen of late i'm going to get back into that um, pretty soon i used options i defined my risk we talked about that a little bit that's some cheap vol in doing that but there's ways to do it in the futures market um too. let let's also talk you had a great note yesterday carter um on the euro and you want to be a bit contrarian here this was on worth charting and we want to run through those charts a little bit and then we want to talk about the u.s dollar because i'm also thinking about a trade in the u.s dollar but if you are you know, still feeling your European vacation here a little bit, people. Take, take, take a ride with uh, Carter here on the euro.
2: Yeah, let's have some fun. I uh, basically so sequencing it again. It's not a you know. It's funny. I when I first started uh, in charge, of people you know this 32 years ago. Oh, that's ridiculous, and uh, it's heresy. Now it's come full circle, and it, it's embraced because of the power of the computer. Um, but you know, I have having grown up in Manhattan. I have friends that are chief dealers. You know, yen euro you know, dollar pound at the big desk. And do you think they trade currencies at the major banks based on balance of payments and GDP reports? They look at charts. And let's look at the chart of the euro. Nine identical charts. Ready? This has no lines. Let's put some in. Let's toggle first and second. Nothing. Put the lines in. Those are mathematically parallel lines. Okay. Next one. Look at how sequential this is, right? Where you have a uh, a, a, a well-defined low, and then a high, and a low and a high. So those intermediate moves, let's look at it another way. Put it all together, let's look at it another way. These are six to eight-week moves. You go up five, 6%, you go down five, 6%, you go up five, 6 so again, I like the expression, what my eye sees. You could see something different, everyone's entitled to it, but my eye sees a sequence here, I think that's fair, and that the sequencing calls for a bounce. Let's go some more, let's go to number seven. Um, This is everything together. And so the last two charts, um, you see we've had three distinct rallies lasting four to six weeks, three distinct sell-offs. The final chart, I think we get that next. So let's do the last two toggle. I think we get that green arrow. Now, does that have to happen? Of course not. And we know what to do. If we're wrong, it starts to go lower, get out. But there's reference points, and when they're available, we use them. I think you play for a bounce, which, of course, is shorting the dollar or UUP.
0: Not to blow smoke up your derriere, Carter Worth, but you think about these charts. And if we could go back to the beginning, think about and and this is somewhat um, self-serving for Carter. But think about the amount of charts one has to look at in order to find these things that are hidden in plain sight. You know, you don't wake up one morning and say, hey, I'm going to take a look at the euro. You go through dozens if not more charts to find opportunities so the fact that carter brings that work to us dan uh, a few times a week is real you know and i'm obviously I, i think i know you know this but it's important to point it out like these things don't just fall out of trees yeah
1: well here and i want to i want to make a comment i want to ask you a question really quickly carter so like if i'm inclined to 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 um take a shot here okay so i'm looking at the euro in and around 108 right and so that's that kind of higher low that we've seen in that sequencing that you just talked about and you just said that if it goes lower you take a shot on the one side it goes lower you get out are we stopping that right about that kind of May or early June low, if you will, like the prior low, is that something that would make some sense to you? I know on a percentage basis, that's a really tight stop. Or are you thinking about this a little bit, giving it a bit more room, maybe going back to that March low?
2: Right. So it's worth noting, of course, the currencies don't move like commodities or stocks. If you look at the whole scale, the y-axis, right? Currencies are slow moving uh, things unless you're having a real crisis Um, you know, a coup somewhere. But for for mature uh, currencies, that doesn't really happen. Uh, So the question is, I'm I'm inclined to just not let it breach the blue circle. I mean, meaning if the lows are in, and if the sequence is intact, and this um, is a level where it should bounce, then in principle,
0: it should bounce.
2: Um, And again, using the word should in this business, it makes no sense in many ways. But the premise is that it's gone down consistently for almost two months. And in the context of the preceding 12 months, uh, this looks like a place to play for a bounce. The, 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 you, I don't know what you said the Doug's phrase was, but I, I remember saying the frictionless mind. Um, yeah. You have to have a frictionless mind. So the, the real problem of in investing is you get in and then let's say it bounced a little bit. And you're feeling good about it. And then all of a sudden it's unchanged. And then it's now you're down. and Now it is below the blue circle. Do you add to it or do you have a frictionless mind and say, wait a minute, I don't care that I'm long. I'm going to flip this around and get short. Yeah. It's very hard to do, but that's what the champions do. You just Why? have to have no memory. Forget what you did. What are you doing now?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think what Doug says uh, often in his morning missives is a market without memory. And I think that's yeah, a real no memory. You know, I, I get, hey, hey guy, just really quickly. So if I'm trading this thing and let's say I'm buying the Euro at 108, okay. Right. Let's just say I'm using, Carter's charts, the way that I was trained to do it, um, again, pattern recognition, Carter and I and and you, he's shown us thousands of charts over the the 10-plus years we've been doing Fast Money Together and Market Call and the like. And so a lot of traders use the charts to inform the entry points, their stops, their target points. So I'm stopping this thing at about 107 or so at that prior low, and I'm thinking about it from a risk-reward standpoint, Guy. 108 to 112 maybe would be my target over the next and maybe a slight new high. And I'd be moving up that downside stop along the way if it starts going in the direction and wish I hope.
0: Yeah. And I think 112 is probably not as optimistic as you should be, because I think if this chart is right, and again, it's pattern recognition. So you go back to sort of January, February period, each of those highs has been slightly higher than the prior one. And this recent one we saw in early July suggests that you know, we probably get through that 112 level. You're looking something closer to 114. And it sounds like I'm splitting hairs. I'm not, because to Carter's earlier point, you know, currencies theoretically shouldn't move with the volatility uh, that you see in stocks and commodities. With that said, and I think Carter probably would agree with this, if in fact we're seeing a pullback in yields, which again, up for debate in terms of my eyes, but the chart speaks for itself. So if yields start to pull back meaningfully, and if the dollar starts to weaken meaningfully, Should stand a reason, Carter, that gold's going to catch a bid, and it clearly is today. And if you sort of look at the GLD, that sort of 191 level, which has been a high a couple times, I think, is in the crosshairs. So if I'm connecting dots here, Dan, I see what you're doing in the currency. I take it one step further and look at what it potentially do for the gold market.
1: Yeah. So that's the GLD. And we'll look at the gold futures also there, too. And, and that's starting to look a little constructive. It's dealing with that 150 day Carter right there. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But, but Carter, you, you brought us also some charts on the U.S. dollar index. OK. And so to, to Guy's point, we just made the inverse. This It's funny, th- this charting sequence that you're going to show us shows something that maybe it's, it's something I want to jump on a maybe a bit more on the short side than I do on the long side of the Euro, but that's just because, you know, I'm just a bit of a homeboy here, you know what I mean? Yeah, and it is the reciprocal,
2: right? We know the dollar index has um, constituents, right? It's the dollar versus the yen, the dollar versus the Euro, the pound, but the Euro is the big weighting. And so to, to a large extent, it is the inverse of the Euro currency chart. But here is the dollar index, the DXY, there are no lines, drawings, which is to say there are no conclusions or judgments. Let's put some in. Uh, let's take them away. We can toggle. And so the question is, uh, Those are we about to do right now what the prior two times uh, saw, which are we going to break below this uptrend? And so I think so. Let's put the arrows in. We can flash the arrows. Let's flash them. So the point is, there we go. I mean, it, it doesn't happen. But we can say, look, you're just playing with crayons. You like red. You like blue. You're drawing. A- yeah, guess what? And a guy who's sitting there talking about the 2026 cash flow of Autodesk is playing with something else.
1: <laughs> Autodesk, guy. That's not oh, one Whatever maybe. chart. Nobody, Nobody, had that. Nobody had that on their bingo card.
0: No, um, nor yeah. should they. I'm reading the comments. This is a new name to me, Daniel Day. I went to college, actually, with a guy named Daniel O'Day, who now is the CEO of Gilead. Not that anybody oh, wow. particularly cares. We used to call him D-Day. So this Daniel, I'll call him D-Day as well. And he's saying, Guy Adami is nervous. Did he make some bad calls on stocks? I do that every night every night for the last 16 and a half years so that's nothing new perhaps he's losing money on some bs he bought did he buy into nvidia on the top so yes no no but these are <laughs> playing our own game. all right <laughs> back to you dan d-day right. thanks
1: right. for, thanks for waiting hey carter thank you for being here with us we covered yeah, a lot of a period of, of time carter braxton worth of worth charting go check him out at worthcharting.com. thanks carter bye guys
0: I love Carter. I love Carter. Carter. Well, listen, you know. By the way, it's a good listen. And now that he's gone, it's important to point this out. You know, you look at these charts, you say, "Oh, that looks," but you have think about everything one has to go through in order to find these. Hidden, and they are, they're gems. So it's, we are fortunate to have Carter. Anyway, back to you. We
1: are, but you know who else we're fortunate to have is, is Rafis. I don't think, I don't know if Rafis has gotten a shout out. And I give and Rafis shout outs here. all the time. All right. But, but, but here, so, so it's interesting, you know, like we talk a lot about charts. Steven sits in the office, we, we kind of make these charts up before we go on air here a little bit. I want to pull up this gold chart that Stephen made. You didn't even ask me about the lines. Guy, I'm really liking what he's doing here. Wait until you see this bad boy. So he draws a horizontal line, okay, right from that high before we dropped. I think it was in February of 2022. Mm. And then look how he connected that downtrend from that. That was a brief. Wasn't that an all-time high guy above uh, 2050 or so in the gold?
0: you know, yeah. And if you go, and listen, and, and I know you know this as well. And, and for anybody new, you go back to the August of, I think it was last year, yeah. or two, that you'll see the gold sort of t- unfortunately totally topped up. out right there. So yeah. that's problematic. And, but, you know, we've been fighting the good fight in the gold market. The pullbacks have been painful if you wanted to stay long. I mean, you definitely just want this thing to finally break out to the upside. Unfortunately, it hasn't done it, you know. And I'll say this for the 1000th time. You know, there's going to be a place for gold. Again, the, the equity market today is rallying on bad news. Bad news is, I think, it's been prevalent now for quite some time. Yields are going lower on the back of that. I get it. I totally understand. And in the short term, the market, as Doug says, is a voting machine. And today it's voting to go higher because of that. But I think the market's going to come to the realization that, hey, wait a second. Bad news is, in fact, bad news. And start, some things are going to start to unravel. And we'll see. But I think the inevitable winner of this is going to be the gold market.
1: All right. Well, I mean, and and just my two cents, we will update that trade if it gets above that um, kind of year ago uh, level that that
0: Stephen mapped out is that he sees that he sees he's our little technician now. There's nothing little about him. I mean, he's a he's a strapping young lad. Um, handsome, by the way. Um, anyway, back to okay. you. Yeah, moving on. Um, so, guys, let's look at
1: the S&P 500 because we referenced the stock market. We referenced what it's doing in relation to the yield move lower today to the weaker data here. And it's funny. You know, we're tracking this level. Okay, so this was that breakout level. Okay, above those kind of August highs, 43.50 was that breakout Mm -hmm. level. We broke out, we had a nice little check back there, and then we got to about 4,600. We came basically all the way back. Now, here's what I see right there. Okay, I see the formation of a little head and shoulders top. I see that 43.50 as a bit of a neckline here, and I see that rising 150 day moving average. What, What is that guy? About 40, 42, 42 and a half. 42.50. 42.50. Yeah, 42 and a half. And we were talking about that 4,200 level, which was that kind of resistance back in April and May or so. So it'll be really interesting to see. I got to give Tim Tim Seymour, our, our our friend on CNBC's Fast Money, and he was saying this last week into Jackson Hole. I don't know if you caught this, though. He thought the setup was pretty good on the way into and out of Jackson Hole. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, I – Sat there, you know, there was times on Fast Money Guy that maybe I was a bit more of a pugilist, if you will. You know what I mean? Like willing to kind of mix it up a little well. And I heard that, I disagreed with it. I kept it to myself because I didn't really have any good conviction one way or another. I think I was really most focused on the reaction to NVIDIA after its earnings, which we were all convinced was gonna be good. And then when I got that poor reaction in a matter of hours, right, after that, that, that gap, I was like, well, the market should go that way, mm-hmm. and sometimes it just doesn't work that way. You know, you know what I'm saying. And so I didn't have a lot of conviction in that, but I did take my Nvidia short off pretty decently yesterday morning when it was down. I'm out of that. I also think it's interesting today, guy, that with the Nasdaq 100 up nearly two percent, you know, look what, look what's raging today. Okay, Nvidia is up four percent and Tesla's up six and a half percent. So the most speculative of high growth, high
0: valuation tech. So we find ourselves in that. You're right to point out, Tim. He said it into the meeting. He'd been saying it for the week. He said that the setup into Jackson Hole, the post market, the move would be to the upside. And he he liked the way things set up and it's playing out. But if you listen to him and he, furthermore, what he said, I think this is important. Like he didn't necessarily think it was a long-term thing. It was just more of a tactical trade and it's September still had some issues. So here we are basically at the end of August, Um, Friday, by the way, as you know, Dan is September 1st. So month end is fast approaching. Uh, you know, you could see these low volume markups. We've seen them before, you know, and this is me being dogmatic. Yeah, I guess so. Have at it in the comments section. But you know, nothing, you know, again, nothing that I'm seeing is particularly bullish. The move in yields, yields are going lower because the economy is slowing down, margins are going to start to be impacted. Like we've talked about these things over and over again. But for today, at least, Dan, the market likes that. And again, kudos to Tim for pointing out a couple of weeks ago.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, it's funny. And let's just we have a few minutes here. Let's talk about this. You just said dogmatic. okay? and, you know, we get um, that D-Day's comments kind of funny. I I know you you kind of laughed it off. No, it's all good. You know what? I understand. You know, dude, you know, he's trying to be a little punchy. It's kind of funny. You know, we get a lot of nice comments, too. We get a lot of nice emails. We get a lot of long, thoughtful emails, you know, and it's funny because I think you and I were both in the camp that on a whole host of reasons last year that we were going to see something in the mid 3000s, the S&P 500. Okay, and we got there. And then we were on a couple of different occasions that, like, you know, this is a pretty good trading level. Sentiment got really bad, you know, like, like the, whatever the news was, is like how much worse it's going to get near term. Right. Cause things take time to play out. Right. And so when I think about this year it's like, I was fairly well convinced that we'd probably go back towards those lows at some point. What was the low? Let's, let's pull up a five year chart in the S and P really quickly. We don't need any lines on it or anything like that. But, you know, I, I was fairly well convinced that we're going to break that, that, that intermediate low that we had in October, you know, and, and and maybe get back to those Feb 2020 highs. Right. And so what, what was that like 3,400 or something like that? Well, you know, I'm far less bearish now on stocks because I see what investors are willing to pay for things. Does that make sense in a way guy is like, you know, energy was not acting particularly great a couple months ago, as you would say, got back on its horse. That was some cheap, you know, sort of equity stuff here, but now energy stocks are working with large cap tech stocks, mm-hmm. which are kind of expensive, you know? So it's just like, I feel like a lot of the big money has kind of shown what you like to use poker terms. You know, you saw their, their tell right and in the, the likelihood it's going to take something really big and really bad to blow through those october lows anytime soon uh, october 2020 you agree with that yeah,
0: that's all that's a, it's all i understand what you're saying i totally get it i mean the market is showing its hands you know as the later we get in the year the more and more people will start to chase i totally get it i'm not convinced though that that's the right thing to do and just because people are willing to pay more in terms of valuation for stocks i think you would agree with this doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. And historically, you know, just when things seem like the all clear sign, something sort of manifests itself out of nowhere. You know, to me, those things are still out there. They come in the form of what's happening in the Japanese market in terms of their currency, their yields. What's happening in China in terms of their economy, in terms of their currency. Again, the fact that yields are going lower today in the United States on the back of weaker data suggests that you know we're buying stocks again for the wrong reasons. All those things. Again, it doesn't matter if the market's going to continue on its merry way, you know, at the end of the year, we'll have a conversation. You know, I still think, though, something is going to rear its ugly head when you least expect it. And the setup continues to be, um, you know, people just sort of glib, all clear, everything's great. Yeah. You know, that, that that ends dramatically. By the way, for those that say we never, you know, we only have people that sort of support our thesis, we're going to have Tom Lee on the podcast this week Dan Nathan on the on the tape podcast you and i are going to sit down with tom on thursday
1: that's going to drop friday morning um so check that out and listen tom is a guy who um Got a big following over there at Funstrat. Um, And, you know, you and I have known Tom for a very long time. He has been a devout bull um, over the last, call it, 18 months um, or so. And, uh, you know, I give him credit for sticking to his guns. We're going to have a great conversation on that front. But, Guy, you know, one thing that's kind of interesting to me, it's getting harder and harder to find things that um, let, let's say, you know, like, like during the regional banking crisis in March, a lot of money when liquidity was added into the markets, a lot of money flowed into mega cap tech because people like the perceived safety of it. And then the excitement in and around AI is the thing that really caused multiple expansions. So you had this twofold sort of thing. But when you look across technology, the only value you see is like in fintech, like a PayPal or a Square, you know, like like things that like literally are down 85 percent. They're good companies. They're trading really cheap, much, you know what I mean? Like cheap to many of its peers in this or whatever, but no one wants them. They don't care. You know You know what i mean? Say So like, it's kind of funny, like a, like a Disney and, you know, they might have their own, you know, sorts of problems or a bunch of these retailers really cheap. So what are they all telling you? You know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's like, it still feels like the money wants to go to the same crap. And what do we hear during the entire bear market in 2022, that the leaders in the next bull market are not likely to be the leaders of the last market well that's exactly what's happened
0: yeah and and leadership is back obviously you know when you see yes i mean and and it's interesting i'm reading some of the comments you know people saying nvidia is not speculative well it it is i mean i think it's an important company but the valuation suggests that it is speculative but you know again that's a conversation um that then that's what makes markets in terms of your the points you're making about retailers again go back and listen to some of the commentary out of these people they're not particularly optimistic. And, you know, we're entering seasonally a period where things do get funky. You know, I sound exasperated because somebody said, you know, at a certain point, it's about making money. Yes, it is. You know, I also think we're tasked with sort of pointing out some of the things that can go wrong because I lived through a period of time when the alarm bells were screaming, the markets were going higher. You were trying to point out some of the flaws and some of the potential pitfalls. Nobody wanted to hear it. And then when those things happen, you know, people cascaded back to you and say, why didn't you warn us? Well, yeah. You know, I vowed not to make that mistake again, and that's one of the reasons I try to point out some of the absurdities that I see.
1: Well, it's funny, you know, and and I'm sorry if guy we're about to lose a listener or a viewer based on what I'm going to say here is like, dude, I, I'm not your stockbroker, your FA, your your hedge fund manager, you're this, that, or whatever. I mean, guy, and I've been doing this a long time, and our job is exactly that. It's not to make you money. No one else can make you money other than you, okay? Or the b- money that you give to some fancy hedge fund guy and hope that he outspeeds performs or she you know like whatever their you know uh their fees are in this and that or whatever but think about the show that we just put on today over the last 27 minutes okay carter is the best in the game what did we just do we talked you know, we had different views on yields. Okay. So guy thinks they go higher. Carter thinks they go lower. I talked about how he tried to play for lower yields, getting along the TLT. I'm going to do that again. Carter just gave an idea how to play the Euro. We de- define some levels, you know what I mean? And, and some stops. Okay. So, you know, you know, it's time to make money or whatever that, that, that comment was, I get it, man. Like, but like, listen, I hope you're here because we're going to talk about these things in a way that stimulates some thought. That's not a bunch of cheerleaders and just rooting the, the the stock market up all the time. So, you know, that, that's kind of my take. And I say that, I, I do say that respectively, you know, we've been doing this a long time and we know how difficult it is to consistently make money um, in the markets. And, and, you know, guy, you said all the time, markets are they are there to just humble you, you know? So, mm-hmm. What are we trying to do? We're trying to be nuanced. We're trying to like kind of highlight some different tools in the toolkit, and hopefully you show. We show up every day, and if you show up every day here, I guarantee you're going to learn a lot about like the thought process that goes into buying and selling securities, and how you know how people you know use technicals and options and futures and all the sorts of stuff we talk about. So I don't know, guy, is that about it no, for us?
0: That's, that's fair. I mean, I, I was brought up in a Wall Street sort of "what can go wrong will go wrong." You know, I started as a commodity trader, and we what we were told to do was okay. I understand why you're putting that position on but i want to hear the reasons why it can go wrong and what are you missing and what are you not looking at and so that's sort of the way i've been brought up in the trading community what can go wrong will go wrong and people say well that's really pessimistic yeah i guess so um but it's important to sort of always take a look at things as to why your your trading thesis might not work or what is sort of the obstacles or some of the pitfalls or some of the unforeseen circumstances can arise to sort of knock you off the track but I'm glad that you pointed that out, Dan. And that's what we try to do every day.
1: Yeah, we do. Well, listen, this was fun. Uh, I love when cars. We both got a
0: five thousand at one thirty today. Unfortunately, so that's yeah. why we're you know we've been going a little longer, but today's one of those days we both got to sort of get out of here. Audi McBeal. It was a great show, by the way. She's really. still married to Harrison Ford, if memory serves.
1: Yeah. No, she is. She was she's she's good. She had one other show, I think, after that. Um, I, I can't remember, but she was like she was a bit of a phenomenon in the nineties. You know what I mean? Like Melissa like-
0: Flockhart came and went like a like a like a one of those things through the night, like one of those Aurora Borealis type things.
1: Really? the the the, the Northern Lights? yeah i don't know i really yeah, don't know. Yeah, do know. all mind. right well i'm sure you got a jackass it into the city for for the cnbc's fast money I five o'clock not, eastern time i won't be on with you brother I'm, I'm heading up north to the great white north to syracuse new york to see my parents to see my sister you know the whole shebang so uh little fun fact here my mom mary jane her favorite fast money trader is not her son dan it there it is there it is. Um,
0: all right, Guy Dami. This that's was only a, because we're about the same age. But that's it for today. I want to thank our sponsor, CME Group, where risk meets opportunity. Facts that, of course, our data provider, the great Carter Braxton Worth, for joining us bringing bring forth his tremendous work. We are fortunate to have him. We appreciate all the comments. We really do. I know I get snarky sometimes, but I enjoy it all. want to thank you. We'll be back tomorrow. To, what's tomorrow? Wednesday. Wednesday. Um, I don't know if Carter's back with us tomorrow or not. Oh, no, well, hold on.
1: Programming. Oh, now. wait a
0: second. I'm I'm on with is it am I on with Danny Moses tomorrow? Danny Moses, Demo. Whoa. Yeah. That so, can I tell you something? That's worth the price of admission. Of course, admission is free. So there you go. We will see you tomorrow, folks. Hasta la vista. Yeah.